0: Downtown Guthrie. Welcome to hit the bricks.
1: Everything that's interesting about Guthrie, Oklahoma. On location. Yeah, we're here at the beautiful Pollard Theater. Mm-hmm. With a our staple. Good, a staple of Guthrie, downtown Guthrie, is our good friend Jerome Stevenson.
2: Thanks for yeah. having me, guys. Hey. Thanks for Thanks, being thanks
1: here. for having us. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I feel like yeah. a
0: like a well, you're the, like in the king's chair and I'm yeah. like his left-hand man.
2: <laughs> <laughs> these are the nicest chairs we've ever had. for instance. Yes. And we just got these chairs, so I'm feeling pretty fancy yeah. sitting on myself. I don't think I've sat in them since I, we've had.
1: <laughs> I'm not, I usually just kind of slouch a little bit, but I can't in these chairs because I
2: feel like... You feel like you're to be, be more responsible upright?
0: Yes. <laughs> and I, I had a tasty lunch, and so I'm like... thinking.
2: Uh-huh. About it. Yeah, that's what happens when he toes back in the seat. Uh-huh. You put the head on the cushion, yeah. you're in trouble.
1: I wonder if they d- designed these types of chairs back in the old days just so it, like, they could catch somebody's head when they fell asleep. <laughs> Probably that Probably, makes complete yeah. sense. They're super handy. Maybe
0: so you can turn this way to direct. Uh, you yeah. You
2: got a little bit of lean, lean quotient. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> hey. Our producer extraordinaire, Aaron Ryburn, he's got a Guthrie police hat. Is he like on the force now or when, what? Are they? I didn't think, think he gave him a gun. Oh, no. oh <laughs> Lord. Even scared. <laughs> <laughs> I was nervous about the hat. Is that I the big surprise? To, <laughs> I didn't think about a
1: gun. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> maybe it's a taser. He to graduate from the taser again, maybe.
2: Taser? Oh, you, wow. start, you start there. Huh? <laughs> if I would
1: have known, it, I would
0: have brought my uh, my badge. They give you a badge? Well, it's sticker, but it's a badge. Okay.
1: Yeah, they don't give me anything.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. the ad- adhesive's getting kind of loose on the badge. I need a new badge, chief swagger.
1: <laughs> so we're on the verge of another season. Here. We are.
2: We are. We're about to start our 33rd season. In fact, our gala, uh, which is our usually the first night of our season, uh, kicks off our fundraising, our, uh, just kind of wrapping up our fundraising event for the year, and that happens this Saturday uh, at Oak Tree on the 10th. And then two weeks after that, we opened Driving Miss Daisy, which I'm directing, and is starring uh, original company members Brenda Williams and Al Bostic. They did the show originally in, like, 93, 94, and they returned to do those two roles again. So we're excited about getting them back and, and revisiting the show, because, you know, uh, I've never directed the show, I've worked on the show in various capacities, um, but Directing at this time and being a little bit older now that I'm aware aware of the play, it has a very different perspective when you're in your 40s and you're kind of looking at, uh, you know, being caretaker to your parents. Oh yeah. That really starts to kick in in those places where you have to say, okay, mom can't drive anymore. How do we make this conversation work? How do we take that away from her? And so that's really kind of what we found interesting about it is that Bully became a real central character for this this time around, the son. And then, of course, Hulk and and Daisy's story is really compelling and and so much so that it won the Academy Award, and it's a Pulitzer Pulitzer Prize winning play, so there's a lot there. How long does it run for this? Uh, We run for three weeks. We run for three weeks starting the 27th. Okay. Is that right? you want to say the twenty seventh. I can look around. The twenty third. The twenty third. Show notes. notes. Yes, it opens the twenty third. Twenty third through September seventh. And then runs through the seventh. So yeah, it runs for three weeks. Yes. Look at there. uh You even got the the art.
1: Yeah. So like going from one season to the next, um, does having that little bit of a break does it allow you to kind of like that expectation to build a little bit, or? Uh, What's the difference between going from one show to the next like during a season and then having that going from season to season? Is there a difference between those things?
2: There is because usually when we set up a season, we try to plan in advance. Okay, uh, what's the workload for each director? When do we need to bring a director in? Which one of these projects is suited to which one of our artists? Um, And then making sure you can make your way through the progression because you've got to obviously be at your creative best when you're directing. Um, And then taking that break. Uh, we try to take breaks during the course of the year so that you can refuel. Like I personally love to see shows. Uh, I like to, I try to get out and see as many places as I can, either here or you know in Dallas, or if I'm fortunate enough to travel, I go to New York and see shows. I want to see as many plays as possible i want to read as many books as possible i want to go to the museum as often as i can because that kind of refuels your creative storytelling juices and you go oh the next time i do a play i'm going to do this and so you don't just kind of find yourself in a grind and going i have no more ideas i got no more <laughs> ways to be creative or clever
1: as an artistic director you don't want to get to that point where you no have no, more ideas. no that's not a good place to be no. in
2: you want to be making sure that you're because not only are you responsible for the shows that you direct But ultimately, I'm responsible for everything that shows up on that stage. So it's my job when I hire directors or when one of my company members direct, we set a predetermined date when I'm going to first see the show officially. There are times when I slip in and see something, but they're not showing me anything. I don't operate on the show, as it were, um, until this predetermined date. And then I'm able to come in and say, okay, here are the notes that I have, here are places where the show is not, uh, does not keep me interested, does not keep me engaged, I'm not compelled by this moment, or it pulls me out of the show, and I start thinking about laundry or whatever it is, and so we need to fix those moments. And so you want to make sure that you're at your storytelling best all year long, um, even if you're not directing.
0: Drive-In with Stacey, how are you going to get the vehicle in well, there? Thankfully we don't have to do that, Okay.
2: So thankfully <laughs> we don't have to do that. The good thing about this play is it's very much a, a in my mind, the way we're producing it is very much a memory play because I think it's very much taken from Booley's point of view, having looked back at um, the latter years in his mother's life and seeing how this story between she and this unlikely friend took place and what it developed into. Uh, but everything else becomes a kind of a game of let's pretend. So the car is built on stage, and we, we intimate, okay, this is what the car is, and the audience goes, oh, okay, uh, and we go to multiple locations. They, you know, they're traveling down the highway, they're they're going to a, um, a convention center, There's a there's a ballroom that they're in at one point, there's the living room, they go to a cemetery, they visit a nursing home, you know, so we go to a lot of locations, and we have to do that really quickly. And so one of the things we did is establish how we're gonna present that for an audience in the way that they go, yeah, we got where we are. Keep following the story. That's really the key.
1: You mentioned this is the 33rd. 33rd season. Yeah. I don't know why I was doing like weird <laughs> hand gestures. <laughs> We're getting airplanes. Uh, so, Chris, you grew up in Guthrie. So like for 33 years, uh, you've you know, seen the, the Pollard doing its thing here. Like what like what's it like to have a place like this like, in your in your hometown? And grow up, or is it being a staple for a town?
0: Yeah, it, it is a true staple here. But and I enjoy coming. It, it's I get I think where I get more pride is when I see like all the school buses and people from out of town coming here and getting to share like this is the part. This is this is what's one of the cool things about Guthrie. Right. And they take that away and go tell everybody else. I think that's the biggest uh, thing I take from from the polar theaters is how well known it is and how popular it is and how people like to keep coming back to it and just seeing more people come in and out from out of town, Mm. getting to share it with the state.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
0: 33 years, so how long have you been?
2: I originally showed up around here in 90, 90. I was gone for a brief moment and then I uh, returned in 95 uh, as a member of the company and then in 2000 I was asked to serve as Artistic Director. So it's, it's, been a, it's been a long arc. And yeah. I get to thinking about it, I'm like, man, that's a big chunk of your life. <laughs> yeah. uh, You've been running the joint for 19 years. Like, I, I used to think that was weird when people say, oh, yeah, I, he and I have been friends for 20 years, or I've been doing something for 20 years. And now that's kind of the bulk of my existence is saying something in my life is 20 years old, or I've had a relationship with this person for 20 years. That's really. Well, I Once you start
1: measuring things in
0: decades,
2: yeah. Like, yeah. It's
0: weird. Well like mm-hmm. here's another thing that's off subject but kinda close like that. Like my wife got married in nineteen. Don't get married till you're twenty five. Although she was right. But like she was like her she's been an Evans longer than she was her maiden name.
1: Right. Uh, ain't that that's kind of weird. Wow. You ever
0: think about that? No, just yeah. me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, just me. All I know is that like I always refer to things as you know, that this just happened hmm and that usually means it's like seven or eight years <laughs> yeah <Exactly. laughs> it just happened
2: because uh-huh. the time for us is hard to kind of quantify when you're in it when you're living yeah. in those moments uh, but yeah we've been doing this for 33 years and much like you i'm i i was blown away by the fact that this existed here if you had told me uh before i came to guthrie that they were going to have a small regional theater in a place like Guthrie, Oklahoma. Because remember, I went to Langston University for for college. Uh, My great grandparents on my father's side lived in Langston, Oklahoma. Uh, And so I always knew it was a real small town, a real small community. And I thought, you know, I'll go there, I'll get out of there, I'll go off to wherever you go after whenever you graduate. But then I discovered that there's this little small regional theater, professional theater in the middle of Guthrie, Oklahoma. Not only that, but they were producing kind of a wide variety of work. It wasn't simply, um, you know, the 16th production of My Fair Lady or the 15th production of Guys and Dolls. Um, That was, I was blown away by that. And we've had artists that we've worked with. We were fortunate enough when we did this the last time, Driving Miss Daisy, we did it at at Oklahoma Stage Center and we produced it um, as part of their Stage Center Present series. And our hope was a man by the name of Earl Hyman, who audiences will recognize as Bill Cosby's father on The Cosby Show. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, And he came here and he was like, this is here? This theater is in the middle of this town? How is that possible? And I, I literally had to look him in the face and say, I don't have the slightest idea. <laughs> but somehow it's done it. And he was like, this is like what you see in the sophisticated Europe somewhere. You know, it's small, it's, it's a resident company. They're all working together. They're producing diverse work. And the truth of the matter is that that started because of the three people on that wall, Marilyn Branch, Don Coffin, and Margaret Ursell. They had this idea that, they could, that it could be done and they'd seen it done in Granbury, Texas because there's was a place called the Granbury, Granbury Opera House. Um, and then they thought, if they can do it there, then we could do it here. And I'm really glad that they did because they did something pretty remarkable. S-
0: stories like that, I mean, that's just so much, so much pride yeah. you take from that.
1: There's a picture somewhere in this building um, uh, when they were kind of like renovating the mm-hmm, lobby mm-hmm. and like the, it's like the, the facade is like down. Oh, right. And there's like a bulldozer in here trying to like, I, <laughs> that's right. I, I, think, yeah. I believe so, yeah. yeah. And it's just wild how much work it took just to get this place ready. Right. To be a theater company. Yeah. It wasn't like this was like ready-made. Just it was like already a theater, yeah, right. Just to do, do stuff. Did you, um, uh, the first show, uh, did you see a show here before you worked the show or was like
2: I did. In oh. fact, I was a student at Langston University. Uh, buddy of mine said he was coming to a show that he was a senior or junior. And he said that we're doing a play in Guthrie, a show called The Mystery of Edwin Drood." Never heard of it. I'd never been here, never seen a play. So I came, got a ticket, watched the show, and I was blown away. Because, you know, i would come from Tulsa, um, and I thought, okay, I know it's going to be, I know the quality that it's going to be, it's going to be kind of, you know, low-end, everybody's got a, a, a barn, and we got some costume from the, you know, because it's a small place. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, where's the talent pool going to be from? In a, in a town that's got this, this size population, surely there aren't enough actors to fill a stage with a thing. And when I saw it, I was like, I have to work there. Um, Michael, Mickey Skeen, who was our costumer, uh, was um, the kind of mustache-twirling v- villain and James Ong was the chairman and the guy who used to be the box office manager here at the time was Bob Thompson, he was the old drunk you know, grave digger and it was all of this talent from Oklahoma City, I didn't know that at the time, uh, the choreography was fantastic, the scenic work was fantastic. It was fu- a fully realized regional theater production and I thought, I gotta be there, so I literally I found my way up here, I didn't have a car at the time, I found my way up here, showed up in the middle of the workday and said, I'm gonna sleep until somebody finds something for me to do, because I wanna be down with whatever you guys are doing. And I literally just was moving a broom around the stage and then finally, after a couple of days of that, I think, somebody finally. said, yeah. Just, yeah. <clears throat> somebody said, get him a, costume, get him a get him a, <laughs> a screwed gun and a, a, a paintbrush and see if he can, and I just stayed here until I learned everything I could and. The rest is history, I guess. That's so
0: cool. How do you, what keeps the drive going? I mean, I have 19 years, and you kind of do it and do it. What's, where's the drive?
2: Um, I, I cannot tell you how often somebody comes up to me and says, I saw your production of at Pollard, or you know, anywhere I do a show, but, but particularly here. Uh, and they say, and it moved me to this action. Um, passing strange, we get people who say, we saw this play there and it changed my life and it changed my relationship with my mother or this, that, and the other. We get kids who did a show who says, I don't know if you remember me, but I played tiny Tim in the production of Christmas Carol 18 years ago. And this is my son. And you're kind of like, Whoa, you know, um, that motivates me. And then I think that the nature of the town, um, The the citizens and the donors and patrons of the pollard are so smart and welcoming and engaging and they've they had such extraordinary had and have such extraordinary vision. Mm -hmm. They see the potential. They don't start it from. Well, we don't have that now or it's a really costly venture. They think it elevates the quality of the town It elevates what we're doing and how we fit in the narrative of Oklahoma. And that's impressive, and I thought as long as they're doing that, boy, and I can be useful, I want to help them see that vision through.
0: Absolutely. Any spots opening for Eli Fortney?
2: Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, we're going to, you, you, know, you know,
0: we've had Eli. do oh, Justin, I got that question right. Did I get it right? <laughs> gonna, okay, right. We've
2: had Eli in a couple of shows. <laughs> we was Christmas Carol a couple of times, and we've actually had Justin on stage. Really? Well, I mean, we were, he was on the crew. Under stage. And he was under really. the stage. I was about to say, how'd you get to the 33rd year? <laughs>
1: <crazy>. <laughs> I show up, this is awesome. Uh, I show up like the day before, you know, the show opens and uh, to, to help as a, uh, on the crew for a show, for a little mermaid. Right. You know? And Jerome's like, come down here. I'm like, where's down here? I don't know, where are you? And so he's down, uh, down below the stage. Like just do this, and there's like little controls for the the hydraulic lift, mm-hmm. uh, and he's like, you can do this. It's perfect. It's easy. Oh, I'm like, guys. no, it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> I could literally kill somebody. <laughs> Send someone up to the roof, yeah. <laughs> and they're like, no, it'll be okay. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Start and, text
2: yeah. tomorrow. You're, you're ready. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. He's done that. Amanda played. And has played in the orchestra on multiple occasions. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, of course, is both in shows and I mean, so it's, it's a family affair for the Fortnays.
1: Amanda mm-hmm. loves to tell stories about how uh, there were a couple of shows that she was playing in the pit when she was, you know, seven, eight months pregnant. Yeah. Like. So he he was literally in in utero in uh, at in the this place and Experiencing yeah. the the shows here.
2: That is awesome. Yeah. I just met with a lady who is uh, working with Allied Arts now, and she's. She's uh, doing employee giving and she was a musician here as well. She's worked a couple of shows with Amanda um, and she said, I wanted to introduce you to one of my colleagues because I had such a profound experience at the Pollard. Um, every time I hear that, I feel like we're on the right track yeah. and, and, and the fact that it's happening in Guthrie, Oklahoma is all the more satisfying because you do, you do uh, underestimate what's happening here. Hmm. Um, and it means you're not you're not seeing the full picture. What you're doing seeing is a, a, a stereotypical picture, and, and and this town is just so much more than that. It's so much richer than that. The history is so much stronger. So that's 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 really impressive for me about Guthrie.
0: In the surroundings of the town, I mean, you talk about a perfect night. I mean, you got the Pollard. You got several food options mm-hmm. around here. Breakfasts, I mean, it is a complete the jungle.
2: You can go to the you know, you can do yeah. various adult kind of uh, drinks and that kind of thing. that's, that's awesome. Well, and, the, and then you get stuff like the banjo festival that even elevates it that much yep. further. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why you've had groups like um, um, the what was it, the Mumford and Son mm-hmm. take notice of it because it's small enough that it's not in the middle of everything. But it's progressive ideology-wise enough that they're doing cool things. Mm-hmm. That they're doing the banjo festival back when they had it, or the bluegrass festival. That makes artists take notice because you're obviously cultivating art here. Yeah. Red Brick Nights, where you get the live musicians is happening, and it's like you're seeing all these varied people who I've never seen in Guthrie. Yeah,
1: there. really is like a, a density of activity here. Uh, for a small town we, we we punch above our weight so much, whether it's the, the pollard, like you said this is a, a a town this size it shouldn't have the pollard, but it does mm-hmm. it shouldn't have all these different things, but it does mm-hmm. and they work together like really really well to to have a uh, to provide a a pretty unique experience for people coming to a show, coming to dinner, staying the night, that kind of stuff and um you know, kind of going back to like the the experience here and what makes it Worth it. Um, I I love it. Uh, there's usually I think maybe like you know a show a year where um, it really it like you really start to feel kind of like momentum building. Mm-hmm. Like you, you start people seeing it more than it, they coming back again for right. the show. Maybe I, I think like passing strange when you end up with people. Like who end up coming, like you know, almost to every show. And kind of like devotees, yeah, yeah. By the end of the run, it's like there's almost like this like like bizarre energy right. of people who were just like super impacted by what you guys create here.
2: Well, it, it's it's nice because people, you know, when when somebody sees something that has the impact on them, they tend to tell other people, uh, and using that show as an example it so resonates with our generation because we're starting to see that um, change in our lives where we're wondering if we made all the right decisions. And thankfully that play is very honest in the saying, you're not gonna make all the right decisions. And there's gonna be some real doozies in your life that you look back and go, that, I screwed that up big time, you know. But i tell you one thing about that show, and I, it's the overwhelming thing people say to me, Um, They'll, we've had people come backstage at that show. I'm in the dressing room. I have no idea how to get it in there. Pants are not on and they come in joyfully sobbing and hugging my neck and saying, I'm going to call my mother today. I'm going to, I'm never going to do that thing where I see, I'll call her ID and go, I'll call her back. Mm -hmm. And uh, those kind of things for me are why you do a piece. Yeah. Because it resonates with audiences and they know you know what, that's a real thing. And it's not just a real thing, it's a thing that we share. Mm-hmm. Because you, the audience instantly knows, oh, pick it up the phone, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like they can, you know, they feel that. So that's really cool and I, I completely agree with you. Every once in a while we get to do a show where that momentum just grows. And it's for different types of audiences. Passing Strange is a completely different audience than Forever Pats, Always Patsy Cline. Um, but yet that show has a following of its own. Uh, when you do a disaster like we closed last season with, it had a completely different audience because they had to know that 70s vernacular. I can tell you that at the end of this season when we do puffs, uh, it's, going to, it's going to attract a completely different crowd. not just because of the play, but because the town you're in feels like that certain series of wizard books. It has that vernacular and so this play is all about referencing that series in a way that is fun and irreverent and and the fans will just eat it up, so I can't wait.
1: How do you, uh, like, in terms of picking shows for an upcoming season, like what in the world is that process? Man. Um, Other than just
2: really, really hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you read a lot of plays, thankfully the Pollard Does it with a group, which is unique. We have a a, what we call the artistic development committee, and we meet pretty regularly. It starts with me reading a ton of plays, um, and then figuring out what haven't we talked about and who haven't we talked to. Um, You know, you know, there are some seasons like Beehive. We was like, well, boy, we really need to make sure we talk to women next year and women of a certain age, my mom's age group. So we wanted to do that Beehive musical because it's. It's a celebration of the women of the 60s in rock and roll music. And I was like, that's a perfect show for our audience. But then we want to do things like, uh, we, when we haven't talked to young audiences, we were like, and I say young, my age group and younger, we, so we pulled American Idiot out and said, we really want to produce this play. Um, sometimes you instantly know there's a thing you want to get your hands on and you want to do it. Pups was one of those situations. I knew, I saw it in New York, about three years ago, Uh, I'm a huge Harry Potter fan myself, I said, well, I'm gonna go see the play, went and watched it, loved it, and was like, that thing belongs in Guthrie. It belongs in Guthrie. See,
0: when you say that, and I think of Amanda, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, Will she be here to watch it, or will she be in the play? Cause she's all in, about I'm trying it. to help
1: her around, trying to get a little gig
0: here.
2: You know, she's she's a big. She's about. She's about it. like yeah. I think, and I'm, it's it's tailor made for her. Did I get that right,
0: <laughs> Amanda? Ryan
2: Puffs. Those,
0: yeah, those really well. Okay.
2: You're filling all the boxes. Yeah. Check.
0: Real quick, take me through the transition of the Christmas Carol because that is. Has has been around was around for a long, long, long time. It brought mm-hmm. in hundreds, thousands, mm-hmm. uh, thousands uh, of kids in schools from around. And then obviously, you had to transition away from that. What mm-hmm. was that decision? Was that an easy decision? A no-brainer Man. decision?
2: Man, that was a that was a tough one. Yeah. Um. We knew the year, the last year we did it, that James Ong, who was the show's star, would probably not produce. Would not appear in it again. Yeah. Um, we knew that he was just kind of wearing down and I said, you know, maybe it's time to think about finding the next generation of Scrooge. Um, but we, when we started looking at that year and producing it, one of the things that we decided that to do a new Scrooge meant you really needed to do a new production. You needed yeah. to have a new way of looking at it and maybe more fully realize it or invest more money in the set. We had also had to set the scenic uh, things for 12 to 15 years. And so when you're building sets out of lumber and you're taking them down and putting them back up and taking them down, they start to wear and tear. And we were like, you know, we've got kids on this set. We've got children on this set. We can't have a set that is subpar. So it right. needs to be, make sure that it's sturdy, and they jump around and everybody's safe when they go home. And so it became a question of one, creating a new production, which was going to take some time to really rethink two, uh, redesigning the set and rebuilding it, which when we first did it, there were 17 people working here, uh, pretty much around the clock to get that thing built. Now there are seven people total who work in the building. And it was like, we're gonna have to find a place to build it and the people to help us do that. Uh, and then we had also heard, and we, we have this um, uh, the marketing information that tells us there are a series of years where the growth of Christmas Carol goes up. And then there are a couple of years where it tanks because it's people have seen it and they need a break break. and they see it and they need a break. And we were at the end of that crest. And we thought now is the time if we're gonna walk away from it, to walk away from it and re-envision it, come back with a brand new production uh, and, and more importantly, find the right Scrooge. Because that was the thing that was the biggest question is who was gonna replace the guy. And as we did it last year, when we first talked about not doing it, The answer was pretty simple. I was like, Christmas Carol is a celebration of the holiday. If the audience comes and 50% of them remember the old production, there's no way for them not to be slightly saddened by it. So one in the Christmas show where they're kind of going, isn't a very good holiday, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we decided we better walk away from it for a little bit. Christmas sorrow. Yeah, exactly, it doesn't doesn't play as well. Oh, humbug. And that, Yeah, and that's the truth. We wanted, we wanted them to have a joyous experience at Christmas. So when we found It's a Wonderful Life and we thought, that's exactly right. That's yeah. such a, it's the, it is the American version of Christmas Carol, hmm. where Christmas Carol is a quintessentially European story and we adapted it for Guthrie. A Wonderful Life is uniquely American. It's film, it's Frank Capra, it's very post-Second World War. It's very much about when the American dream is yours for the taking, and you can't seem to get your hand on it? Do you still value? Is your life still a success? Um, and that was a story that we thought that's uniquely American and perfect for us at Christmas. And I
0: would think that would re-energize the staff. Oh, as well. absolutely, absolutely. And the audience this last yeah, year yeah.
2: just ate it up and was like, "Oh, you got to do this for a little while. You got to yeah, do this while yeah. you." And we thought, "Well, great. We'll do this and take some time to really reimagine Christmas Carol." Um, at some point I'm going to get over and see what some of the other companies have done done with their versions of the show so that we're not doing the same kind of thing. Um, I think we're, be- we're blessed with the benefit of having Guthrie as the central to the story mm-hmm. um, and then finding a way to tell that story in a way that's really cool and it makes audiences go I want you to see this thing that I saw when I was a kid. It's slightly different but it's really cool. Well, and
1: with this it's a wonderful life doing it as the, the radio play. Mm-hmm just kind of fits Guthrie, Guthrie? Christmas time yeah I mean it's just a, that mixed with the Victorian walk and mm-hmm. everything it just all kind of sits together real
2: nice I think and I think that's such a cool idea um, because we didn't have a lot of radio dramas but I remember vaguely those CBS Texaco hour presents <laughs> this all-star cast of whatever they're doing and they're presenting it as a play on television I remember those kind of events and I thought those were cool and so the idea we got to put it on a radio play and have the Foley operator creating sound effects that was really cool to me. Yeah.
1: I grew up with my folks being NPR junkies. Oh yeah. yeah so like Prairie Home Companion has that kind of like you know when they do sketches on there I grew up you know like every week hearing that right and, right yeah, it's just a cool a cool love So what else? other shows get coming up for the season?
2: Well, we follow uh, uh, Driving Miss Daisy with a production of Evil Dead, the musical. Logical
1: progression.
2: Logical progression. Logical progression. It's always about balance for me. It's always you talk to one audience, then you talk to another. Um, And then that is followed by It's a Wonderful Life again, which we'll be producing. Um, We come back next year with a two-hand play about a couple over the course of their relationship called Love Letters. Then we're producing You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. And we're planning to do that uh, in conjunction with some of our friends in the local education business. We think it might be cool to partner um, our our actors and some pros with some younger kids who are coming up and maybe they can kind of understudy and we think even share a performance of the production. Uh, And then we're doing puffs, which is called puffs or seven increasingly eventful years of at a certain school of magic and magic uh which is real fun so (laughs) looking forward to that
1: when it comes to the uh the actors that that work here it's a pretty uh a tight-knit community of the the acting you know world in oklahoma Mm -hmm. like what is it about uh the pollard that actors keep coming back to work here what's kind of unique about this place from an actor's perspective
2: i think i hope uh and i've been told this but you know I i don't speak for anybody. I think one of the things that they do is, we focused a lot on craft um, as actors. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes in that has nothing to do with memorizing lines or, you know, gesticulating wildly and saying stuff. Um, It's knowing how to resonate an idea with an audience, knowing for them, knowing how to get an audience inside your head to see you do a simple thing and go, oh my God, I know exactly what that person feels. And that's what we do because we don't have a lot of stuff on stage to hide behind. I'm not usually a big fan of big clunky sets that take you know, 35 seconds to change each scene. I'm like, boy, a show needs to move. Audiences don't do that very much anymore. We're used to Netflix and quick, quick, quick. So you know, those old school, slow scene changes don't work. Uh, and so when we get actors here, we're gonna focus in on the, the strength of the narrative, on how to tell the story best and, and, and push them to the limits of their ability, which I think they appreciate around here. At least that's what I hope.
0: Cool. Now, <clears throat> pulled up Guthrie News page. Did an article January tenth, two thousand eighteen. Huller mm-hmm. Theater staple named recipient of the Governor's Arts Award.
2: That was you. That was how me. About, that was me. How cool is that? That uh, is real cool. That was a real cool thing. Uh, uh, yeah, I uh, I won that or received that award as a testament to the work I've been allowed to do here. There's no other way of putting it. I mean, I was. I am the recipient of what the Pollard brings to the community, and you talk about why actors want to be here. So, why I reason I want to be here? I want to be here because no place else that I find in Oklahoma in the early part of my career was producing as many different types of plays and producing them all well. Um, they, they weren't just doing one type of thing. We've done everything from, you know, Into the Woods to a territorial Christmas Carol to. Uh, the, the, the Laramie Project, um, we did The Mountaintop, we produced One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I mean, the list goes on and on. And all of those shows have been populated with really powerful actors and really great, strong and committed designers and, and, and staff. And they believe in doing that work here. They don't produce it in a way that says, oh, it's nobody ever says it's good enough for Bollard. It's never good enough. You keep pushing until that last little bit and that's that makes me really proud of the community that Pollard has is created
0: the uh for our audience the governor's arts awards is an annual event recognize individuals and organizations whose efforts have impacted the arts in their communities or throughout the state And there's only a handful of those who get that every seven yeah. years so yeah. first started
1: in 1975 pretty
2: cool it is really cool i was i was really grateful for that opportunity
1: you did mention um uh... Larry Project, I think Mountaintop, some other shows where the Pollard and the other companies have kind of partnered together. Right. Uh, that's pretty cool to see the different theater companies in the state working together to put on like really meaningful, like just top shelf works. Uh, right. What, is that like a, uh, uh, like a uh, when two different companies work together on something, is that a unique challenge or a unique, like? how
2: does that work? It's just like anything else, I think it has its, uh, its uh, pros and its cons. I've not produced very many shows with other theaters with the exception of you know we do a little bit of work with city rep and, and what happens there is that Don Jordan who is the artistic director there and myself we're friends and we start from the same philosophy of how to produce theater um, and I respect their work and I believe they respect ours and and so then you say okay this is a group we're on par with we, we can put together a piece of work that's really good because I don't think there's any reason to do a show or music or whatever if it's not good. If you're not gonna make it good, then don't do it. Just, it's not worth it. Um, and so we start from that same philosophy and then we, we usually try to find, well, what show would neither of us do particularly well alone that we might benefit from having the extra support um, you know the mountaintop is a wonderful piece of theater, but Excuse me. It's a wonderful piece of theater, but it's not necessarily designed to sell tickets to a whole lot of people. It's really um, It's a tough period in time. It's a tough idea. This idea that we're gonna delve dwell delve into King's Emotional life and what he was going on that wasn't so positive for him um, And so we both thought you know, I'd spend x amount of money to produce that show and I'd sell this many tickets and they're thinking well we could spend half the money we would do and sell the same amount of tickets and still feel like we had a great impact on the community so that's why you do a project like that and hopefully it's successful.
0: Cool. Has anyone ever told you you should be a radio disc jockey?
2: I've heard that a couple of times. <laughs> I used to that's how I started making my money at first. <laughs> I used to be a a voiceover guy. Yeah, you know. Yeah, <laughs> selling barbecue or whatever it is you're you're <laughs> There you go. Well,
1: voiceover was the first thing that um, that my son Eli ever really did with the. He he did it for. Um, it was a show here. Uh, he did. Yeah. Um, I
2: vaguely remember that.
1: I can't remember what show it was. And but I remember like we we took him to, to like the, a studio in Edmond. Yeah. And you were like working with him on like you know trying like saying
2: things Say, a certain. I way. I vaguely remember and, that.
1: Uh, I can't remember what
2: show it was. I can't remember what it is either because I've slept you know many times since <laughs> <Right>. then. <laughs> but I just remember it
1: was fun to like watch like how uh like how you kind of like guided him into like you know like saying things a certain way. Right. It was Just kind of like a fun and natural thing. Um,
2: and he was a real he was a real kind of quick study and, and, and fun to work with. He played back and you kind of got a response from him so you, it was easy to kind of make that work. Yeah, I, but I can't remember what the show was either.
1: It was that super, super sad show where like the, I think um, the, the, um, the couple had lost a child. Yes, and had, yep. Oh it's the rabbit hole was what it was yeah, called. A, the, the rabbit hole. Yeah, that was the name show. of the play.
2: Gosh. <laughs> yeah, it is a super sad show. And that, you know, that, even the thing like that comes from I had a, a, a more than, than uh, I was surprised how many people I knew that had lost children. Mm-hmm. And I was reading a book during the year that was about how unbelievably difficult that process is and how it's exacerbated by the fact that nobody ever talks about it. First of all, you don't want to talk about sure. it. And then when it happens, you've never talked about it. So you have no comprehension of how you process a thing like that. And I thought, that's worth talking about. It's painful. Tough. But it's super worth talking about. And and it teaches us how not to the play teaches us how not to judge the people who have gone through that and how to you don't need to push them or force them. You know, everybody's like, you should talk to someone. You should talk to them. And it's like, that's not where they are. They need something completely different. And sometimes it has nothing to do with you. You can't put your hands on it and fix it. And I was blown away by all I learned and so we produced it and it sold the eight tickets that it was, it was <laughs> expected to sell and and but the eight people who came and saw it a lot of those people said hey that's happened to me or that's happened to my brother and I know what that's like and I'm really appreciative I can't tell you how many people um, say that about some show or another that's um, talking about you know a soldiers play or Uh, Military people who just fell in love with a few good men and were like, Ah, I've never seen this as a play. I've seen the movie. Um, You find something to talk to every section of your audience, and if you're successful, then they remember you and they come and see something else.
0: What about those people saying, Well, that wasn't in the book?
2: You get that a lot. You (laughs) get that a lot too. That's (laughs) not how the book goes. The book doesn't have like that. You ever can't do what the (laughs) book But you've already read the book. You already know what that was. We're gonna do a little. That's a different different. story. Yeah. This playwright tells a different. You know, uh, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird. Everybody talked about that for a year and a half, and then next thing you know, it was showing up on Broadway written by Aaron Sorkin. So, you know, there are those stories that they, they remember, they, that resonate with them, and they, they they hold them sacred, and so you don't want to screw them up. Sure.
1: Is that like the, one of the unique things about like live theater, is that like you're not just watching someone, uh, you know, perform and they're like, you're uh, you're you're seeing them experiencing things that you you know it's kind of mirrored from your life, mm-hmm. but you're watching them do it like, in the same room with right. you, as opposed to like on, on the TV screen or movie screen. There's something like I don't know how to say that, but like you're in that room, yeah, and you're watching them like. like do like do it live in front of you? That's just like a trippy thing to me.
2: It, I, you know, and I think that the, the, the more you sophisticated your audience go, becomes, the more they're becoming used to what they're doing. You know, at first you go and you see a play and you're just kind of sitting and you're watching. But at, over time, the more you've gone, you realize that you have the ability to change what you're seeing. You, you affect what you're seeing. If you've ever been in the house where an audience got tickled, it's typically because the audience did something that tickled the actor and then the, the, uh, the actors laughing, the audience see it and then they laugh more because they're both kind of, they're both being affected by one another. Although we're supposed to be in many cases, pretending that you're not there. Well, that's what makes it live and makes it interesting. We always say the play's not real until the, the final character shows up. The final character is the audience. They tell you when a moment moves them or they go oh, together. Are you here? Oh, you feel that and you know, oh no, man, now you gotta pull back a little bit. Yeah. Now you've got room to really sling for the fence because they are so with you. You can see their body language start to change. That's what makes live theater different and better and cool because we're in the room together. We're feeding, part of our job is to feed off of you to feel you out as a collective organism in an our audience and then go, okay, you gave me that, so I'm gonna give you just a little bit of this. Now I'm gonna move a little bit more this way because I can feel you guys pulling back. You're uncomfortable. Now I'm gonna hit you with the, with the big move, so. Man.
1: Right, so tickets, they can, they can buy tickets now. Yep, they can buy tickets to the at driving station now. Uh, you can get them either at the, uh, the website,
2: mm-hmm. the Pollard.org. Yes, Pollard.org, or you
1: come into the box office.
2: Come into the box office yeah. and buy tickets right there at the window. People have done that since we've been recruiting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's been pretty yeah. cool. Yep, yeah.
1: and there's air conditioning in here. It is. That helps.
2: It's very, um, very
1: pleasant. Uh, you can um,
2: call up on the phone at four five two eight two two eight zero zero, and my hope is that people will just experience it, not just the Pollard, but experience the thing that is Guthrie. Mm. It's once you've done it you're like oh man i should go there all the time because if nothing else it feels like it's an escape from everydayism. yeah um, this doesn't happen in oklahoma city this is right this is like a movie set
1: right
2: in and real life <laughs> yeah
1: and it kind of like allows you uh i think it'll uh, the overall experience of this place plus the, you know the things around it. See, I'm starting
0: to feel Fortney here. <laughs> oh yeah. Here we go. <laughs> Drive it in. <laughs> I'm filling it.
1: I don't it, like it allows you to like rest a little bit from like, you know, modern life blah blah yes. blah. <laughs> um, like there's like there's so much that ta- is taxing on us uh, on our on our minds and our lives, but like the experience of, of the Polar Plus, the hub of the things around it, like it lets people like find that, like respite from that mm-hmm. stuff. And you get to experience some like, you know, incredible art uh, that it's created here, um, mixed with the other like, things all around it. it's like, but the the really is the kind of the hub of that wheel here. I think. Like, so.
0: We're,
1: so. we're well, grateful. That That
0: was. the so So good.
1: So that cool. was a rousing
2: speech right there. <laughs> well, whenever you produce like that, you know, Guthrie <laughs> tourism play. Yeah. And, I've got a catch. <laughs> All
0: right.
2: Our, that's our Jimmy Stewart right there. Uh,
0: okay. I had Eli a job. Amanda.
2: Now Justin's got a job. So we. Can, uh,
0: We'll see you next week. I feel like that's the (laughs) wrap. The the fortnight employment.
2: All right. Thanks for having us today. Hey, man. Thanks for you guys for coming in. It true. was awesome to have you. Coming home, coming home.